Welcome to the podcast of Living Faith Fellowship in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Now you will hear Pastor Rich preach the topical sermon, Miracles Still Happen, from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 27. We pray that God would use this sermon to speak to you directly. And now to Pastor Rich. Throughout the Gospels, the Lord performed miracles all the time. But they usually did not cause belief within the people, even though miracles are supposed to authenticate the miracle worker. They're supposed to show that the miracle worker really is who he said he was. Even in the Old Testament, God performed miracles for the children of Israel, and yet they continued in their sin and disobedience even after seeing miracles. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as you open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And today we're going to talk about how the Lord still performs miracles. And he even does it when we're unaware. You know, many people throughout history have tried to question the miracles of Jesus and the authenticity of Scripture. Because like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they don't want to believe that God exists and that his word is true. Hebrews 2.4 says this. God, also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, catch this, here's the key, according to his will. According to his will. So if you have your Sunday sermon notes there in your bulletin, Roman numeral one, when God delays. When God delays. If your Bibles are open, John chapter 11, let's begin with verse one. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but catch this for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, catch this, he loved them. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days. Wait, what? We'll get to that in just a minute. So Jesus is summoned to the home of some of his closest friends. And he's told that Lazarus is terminally ill. There in your notes. Then Jesus does the unthinkable and stays where he was for two full days instead of rushing to the bedside of his friend and healing him right away. In verse 3, the sisters send word to Jesus to reveal their brother is sick. But I want you to notice something. Notice the sisters didn't tell Jesus how to heal him. They didn't tell Jesus what to do. They simply said, hey, the one you love is sick. You know, so many times in our prayer lives, tell me if I'm wrong, but don't we do this? Some, so many times in our prayer life, we tell God exactly how he can answer us. Lord, this is how you can answer us. Here's the healing we want. Here's how we want you to do it. Just do this. And you hear people say, you know, some people would say, just claim the healing and it shall happen for you. However, you hear all through the Gospels how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, not my will be done, 
but your will, Father. Right? I want to share a song with you that kind of illustrates this a little bit. Laura Story has a song called Blessings. Let me just read a few of the lyrics for you. She says, we pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for our family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing. We pray for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes for me to know you're near? And there in your notes, what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? You see, when we pray, we don't see the whole picture, but God does. And oftentimes we pray and say, why would God allow this illness? Why would God allow this person to die? Why, 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 why? And the whole time God sees the whole picture and we see this much. And, and so sometimes we tell the Lord, this is how I want you to answer my prayer. And we think somehow that we can command the Holy Spirit. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40, 13 said this. Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to be his teacher or his counselor? That's something to keep in mind. There in your notes. We should simply make our request known to God and then leave the answer up to him because he will give the best answer for his children. And so many times we accept or expect these little things and God's got a whole different plan in mind. The New Living Translation of Philippians 4, 6, one of my favorite verses, of course, says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for what he's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something, and this just blew some people away when I shared it in Nairobi. Not only was Lazarus' illness used by the Lord, it was actually caused by the Lord. Now that takes a lot of us out of our theology. Wait a minute, what? And listen what the sisters say. Jesus, the one whom you love, is sick. And here's the funny thing is that Jesus already knows he's sick. Jesus already knew this. So when the messenger comes, he goes, yeah, I know. Okay, great. But then he hears this and he remains where he was two more full days. And you think, what? So let's add up the, the number of days with Lazarus here. Think about this. It took the messenger one full day to make it to Jesus. Jesus then stays where he was two more days. Now we've got three days. Then it takes Jesus a day to travel to Bethany. Four days. Four days that Lazarus was sick. In John eleven thirty nine, 39, we're told that Lazarus was already dead for four days. So most commentators believe that the moment that that messenger was sent out, go tell Jesus the one you love is sick, Lazarus died instantly before the messenger was even very far away. 
And, and I thought about that and how many of us get angry when something happens and it doesn't go according to our plan? You know, someone's sick or someone dies and, and we think, God, how could you allow this? You know, we hear things like, if God were a God of love, how would he allow this? And, and I'm not picking on you this morning because I've been there, done that. My dad died I, I, five and a half years. That was my problem. God, how could you allow this? But God answers prayers in a way that we can't ever comprehend. And God's got a plan. And that's part of trusting him is watching this stuff and just say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But God, I trust you. You know, the Lord said in Isaiah 55, 9, my ways are higher than your ways. And yeah, they are. All right. So Roman numeral two there in your notes. Why did Jesus wait to go to Bethany? Look at verse three again. It says, therefore, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So if Jesus loved Lazarus, why did he delay? And again, there are times that we pray and we think this would be a good time, God. This would be a good way, God. Do it like this, God. And you see, most Christians, even conservative guys like myself, believe that God still does miracles. However, we expect God to live within what I understand. If God ever breaks out of that box, you know, we, we oh, I can't go there. This is how God does things. And then when it doesn't go our way, maybe we cry or we don't understand and we pray. And then we wonder, does God even care? Does God care? Yes. He took the cross in your place. He cares. Even when it hurts, especially when it hurts, he cares. The Psalms tell us that we don't drop a tear that he doesn't know about. But why does he allow it? There in your notes, in his own time and in his own way, the Lord will make a way when there seems to be no way. And, and you heard me say in that video, whether you're well or whether you're sick, there's nothing that Jesus didn't know about ahead of time. He's our sympathetic high priest. He knows. So trust in his love. Trust in his care. He knows what he's doing. And so what I'd like to do is offer you a few reasons that I thought of of why Jesus waited. Because if I say I love you and then I don't meet your need, that kind of seems to be sending a different message. So I want to offer a few ways. Number one there in your notes. Jesus waited so the people witnessing the event could be assured that Lazarus was really dead before performing the miracle. There's no doubt in anyone's mind, four days dead. He was dead. By the time he arrived, four full days, he was stinky. His body was decaying. The grave clothes were stained. The bodily fluids were leaking out. It was disgusting. In fact, John eleven thirty nine 39 says it this way, in case you think I'm just trying to be gross this morning. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is such a stench, for he's been dead four days. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to heal him. And he, hey, hey, don't bother. He stinks. He, he's dead. Trust me. Catch this. This, is, this kind of amazed me. It was an aha moment for me that actually Jesus performed two miracles here. Let me tell you what they were. Number one, he raised him from the dead. But number two, he had to heal his decaying body. 
What if he raised him and didn't heal his decaying body? That would be pretty gross. A zombie walking around the streets. So two miracles happened right then. And, and so think about this. The Jews back then believed that a soul would stay with a body two full days after death. So in their minds, they're thinking, okay, two full days, the soul's still there. So if Jesus raised him back to life within two days, well, that's easy because the soul was still hanging around. Not so easy. But he was fully dead. You know Miracle Max <laughs> in The Princess Bride? You know what he said, right? There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. <laughs> and Lazarus was all dead. But Jesus is able, more than able, to perform miracles. Romans 4.17 says it this way. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that don't exist as if they did. Think about that. God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that don't even exist yet as if they did, because he knows, right? All right, so the next reason Jesus waited two full days, number two there in your notes, to prove God the Father was real and that Jesus is God the Son, he is the resurrection and the life. Here's a truth, Christian, and, and apply this to your problem this morning, apply this to your need this morning, there in your notes, without death, there can be no resurrection. Someone's got to die. But the Lord healed Lazarus of his sickness and raised him from the dead, and that proved that Jesus is the life. But Jesus is not only the life. He's also the one who provides resurrections for those who believe in him. And so in the passage, we're told that many of the people there that day this was the reason for the healing, came to faith in Jesus. It wasn't just hocus pocus just to show a miracle. There was a reason behind it. All right, number three, Jesus waited two extra days. Number three, because Jesus never arrives too late to fulfill his purposes. He's never late. He's never early. He's never late. The simple act of waiting for Lazarus' death and burial added credibility to the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh and that this miracle was real. Waiting added credibility. And God's wisdom in this whole account is just marvelous. There's so many precise details. How could anybody make this story up? And so he waits these four days, knows he's really dead, and then he raises him to life. All these people get to see it. The sisters were probably upset thinking, you know, Jesus, I don't understand why you're not concerned. I don't understand why you wouldn't come, you know, three days ago. What's the deal? Here's the problem. The sisters are very short-sighted. Don't raise your hand, but we've been short-sighted, have we not? They're so short-sighted, they want something right this second. Right now, right now. But Jesus has eternal things in mind. It's more important for some of these people that are standing here to see that he's dead dead, not mostly dead, so that when he raises to life, it's a true miracle and they come to faith. And again, the eternal consequences of this miracle were more important than their instant healing that they desired. But the sisters aren't the only ones that are short-sighted. 
There's someone else in this story that's short-sighted. Roman numeral three, the short-sighted disciples. Look at verse seven. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might wake him up. So Jesus said he's sleeping, right? Notice what they say. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Let him sleep. He'll get over the cold. He'll get over the fever, right? However, Jesus spoke about his death, but they thought he was speaking of taking a rest. Then Jesus said to them plainly, listen, guys, that's Rich O'Toole version. <laughs> Lazarus is dead. They're thinking, hell, let him sleep. Hey, you're not catching on, guys. He's dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then my good friend, Doubting Thomas, says... Then Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we might die with him. <laughs> Gotta love this guy. So Jesus starts by telling these guys, hey, we're going to head back to near Jerusalem. And they're concerned because in verse eight, they're told very clearly, hey, they wanted to stone you over there, Jesus. And, and check this out. Jesus, you can heal Lazarus from anywhere. You don't need to be next to him to heal him. We've seen this before. Where did they see it before? In Matthew chapter 8, we're told this. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And listen to the faith of the centurion, the Roman centurion. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and he'll be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. There in your notes. Jesus was basically saying, the Father has given me a mission to complete. Nothing is going to hinder Jesus from fulfilling his Father's mission. Jesus never wavered, never wavered, all the way to the cross, never wavered at the mission God gave him to do. You know, I thought about this for myself. How many times have I thought, man, being here or being there, even while I was in Kenya, true story, I needed to be back at church making sure because without me, the world falls apart, right? <laughs> and we think we're missing out by doing this because maybe God has me doing something else and our time belongs to the Lord. Do what he's called you to do when he's called you to do it. Leave the results up to him. By the way, the sun will come up in the morning with or without you. You're not that important. I'm not that important. And so many times I chase after things. And, and by chasing after things that I think I should be doing, I'm neglecting other ministries and calls that God has told me to do. God very clearly told me to go to Kenya. 
God very clearly wanted me over there to see what I got to see. And God very clearly wanted me to put my hands there and my feet on that soil. And yet the whole time I'm thinking, oh, but I can't leave. Oh, my goodness. Don't open doors that God has slammed shut. And don't shut doors that God has opened for you. And by the way, here, here's the truth for you this morning. You can write this down somewhere. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are invincible until God calls you home. If you're meant to drown, you're not going to burn. God has a plan. He knows the number of your days and you are invincible while you're serving him. And if he calls you home, hallelujah. See you there. So Jesus is still performing these miracles. And in verse 15, Jesus explains how I'm glad I wasn't there. So you knew that he was dead and God gets the glory. But here's the key there in your notes. The story that began with grief ends in belief. That's fantastic. If Jesus would have healed him earlier, not as many people would have come. And I love that what Thomas says. Okay, let us get this over with. Let's go die with him. Basically, Thomas is saying two things. And this was an awe moment as well. Thomas was actually declaring two things. One, he was saying, if Jesus is going to be killed by the religious leaders, I'll die with him. Let's go. But there's another part of this. What we need to remember is that the disciples had been taught all their lives since they were old enough to understand that Messiah was coming and there was going to be a resurrection to new life. And so they know this. You see, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees didn't. But when Jesus said clearly, I'm going to wake up Lazarus and they go, well, let him sleep. He's got a fever. And he says, hey, bozos. He's dead. And then all of a sudden they're like, Jesus is going to wake up a dead man. Lazarus is about to get his resurrection now. I want to die with him. I want my resurrection right now. And so Thomas is like, let's go. Let's go die. All this brings us to the ultimate question. And this question was written for you, for you, you, and you. Ready? Look at verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, here's your question. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. I love this. Martha, true to her personality, true to her type A personality. As soon as she hears Jesus is near, 
runs out of the house. Mary just hangs out back at the house. There's a story of her in Luke chapter 10 where Martha was distracted with many things, but Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Luke 10, 41 says, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And so here again, her type A personality, Jesus is here, gone. But notice what she says. No, notice the statement. Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. There in your notes. That is not an accusation against Jesus's power. Instead, it's actually a statement of faith in who Jesus is. You notice the next statement. But even now, I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. You see, here's what's so cool is Martha does not have everything figured out. How many of you this morning have everything in the Bible figured out? <laughs> Praise God. None of you. Yeah. Anyway, Martha didn't have everything figured out, but she had enough figured out to say, if Jesus said it, I believe it. And that settles it. And that's the same for us today. The church in Kenya is 100 percent different than we are. And when I say 100 percent in every way. But, you know, I was telling Pastor Victor, when you get to heaven, you're going to have a red spot right here. And he goes, what's that from? And I said this. Because <laughs> when we get to heaven, we're going to go, oh, oh, OK, I see. We're all wrong a little bit. Some of us are more wrong than others. But Martha didn't have it all figured out, but she trusted Jesus. And so Martha believed in the resurrection and she even said, I know he's going to rise in the last day, but Jesus wants to take her from a theological truth to a personal belief in a savior. Look, look, I'm glad you know theology, but do you know Jesus? I'm glad you have head knowledge. Has it traveled south to your heart? And so Jesus is, hey, listen, anyone who believes in me, even if he dies, he's going to live. Do you believe this? Christian, you know, death's odds are pretty impressive. Uh, against what some churches believe that we're, we can claim healing all of our lives, let me tell you something. None of us are getting out of this place alive unless the rapture happens. We're all going to die of our final disease someday. And, and I mean, maybe that's bad news you hadn't thought about. But the good news is a Christian doesn't die. A Christian gets a U-Haul and moves to a new address. <laughs> we go from earth to glory. We, we close our eyes here. We open them up in heaven. Hallelujah. And why are you holding on to this so tightly? Let it go. We're going to heaven someday. You're an eternal being. You're going to live forever somewhere. There in your notes. So this section ends with the most vital question for everyone for all eternity. Do you believe this? Our salvation is based on that very question. So let's get practical. And I told you I want to share a little more with you. But I would tell you that we all need spiritual eyes to see what Jesus is doing around us and, and not fail to recognize. That being said, the flip side of that is 
Help us never become the Christian that tries to manipulate God into doing what we want him to do. There is a God in heaven and you are not him. But Hebrews 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. Many times I've told you I'm kind of a Pentebaptist, right? I've seen too much way too much abuse in some churches. And then I've seen way too much to think that God's part of the frozen chosen. He is not. And so I'm right in the middle and I struggle with this because the more abuse I see, the more I want to run to the conservative side. And, and so I went to Kenya so God could give me a kind of a do better talk. And while I had the privilege of preaching in Kenya that morning, the Lord performed two separate miracles right in the middle of the service. And it blew me out of my box. That's not okay, Lord. You can't do that, Lord. And he said, hide and watch, Rich. They do like two hours of worship, okay? Two hours. And you complain that we have five or six songs. Stop your complaining. <laughs> two hours of worship. And two hours of English worship. How great is our God. I mean, it's, that's what they do. But they ended with this one song. Mundieri is the name of the song, and I'm sure I butchered that, but it means my defender. Let me just read you a couple lines from that song. It said, Had you not been on my side fighting for me, the burden of my heart would have won. Had your word not told me that everything happens for my good, above all things, you are God. You do miracles and powerful things. This is why my heart is full of joy, knowing that you fight on my behalf. And it just goes on. And they sang that song. It seemed like a half an hour. I'm sure it wasn't. But the reason I share that with you is, okay, I'm preaching this message. And again, different culture, got an interpreter. That's the most difficult thing you could do preaching is preaching with an interpreter. You get two words, two words, two words, two words. Well, the guy in the blue suit there, his name is George. He's an associate pastor there. He didn't come to first service because his back was out so much he couldn't walk. And he was hurting, hurting, hurting. And he basically drug himself to second service, started feeling well enough to come to second service. And so during second service, I'm done preaching. See him? And I didn't know what was going on. I just kept preaching and I prayed and they did this song. The girl there in the pink or whatever color it is. Anyway, she gave her heart to Jesus during the message. And so afterwards, George came up to me. We were sitting in a room having lunch off to the side. And he came to me and he said, I want to tell you something, Pastor. We've been studying that passage in John chapter 11 for a long time now. Never, never have looked at it from that lens that God actually caused this to happen. It has opened my eyes. And by the way, I got healed. This guy's a dancing fool during service. I mean... He was jumping up and down, and I was thinking, is this part of the thing? Is this what's supposed to happen? I'm a little uncomfortable with this. And then I find out she gave her heart to Christ, and I'm like, okay. Now, I know we can't act like this in America, so don't worry. We're not going to jump up and down or do anything crazy. But shame on me. I, I put God in this box, and this stuff happens right in the middle of service. And I was like, it took me a couple of days to get over it. But we need to remember what Jesus said in John 15, that without him, we can do nothing, nothing. And we need to not make God a jack in a box, right? But my gosh, the Lord in his time and in his way can do any 
thing he wants. And one of the greatest privileges, I mean, what a privilege to be used by an almighty, all-powerful God who can do anything at any time, and yet he uses us to fulfill his purposes. How amazing that I had to go 8,000 miles away to see God do this. Acts 4.13, when the religious leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized, here it is, that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> I want you to think about all the misfits and people that God has used in Scripture and how he's used them because it's all the Lord. There in your notes, Scott Calvin said this, our daily interactions with God need to invigorate and renew that vision so that we can awaken and live with a deep sense of purpose. The Lord still does miracles in his way, his timing. And so often, unfortunately, we give the credit to doctors or we give the credit to, to creditors or somebody and, and we fail to see that God is moving all around us all the time. And Lord, give us spiritual eyes to see. There in your notes, the question for us is this. Do we want to serve the Lord and be used by him as he uses us to perform miracles? Sometimes he does it one way, sometimes he does it another. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 8 said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah was used to proclaim to the nations because he had spent time with the Lord. He had a true touch from the Lord. And God wants the world to know the great love he has for all of them. And he's chosen you. In all of your faults and all of your failures and everything else, he's chosen you to go tell a broken and hurt world. At the end of the book of John 20, verse 29, it says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And Hebrews 11, 6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him, two things, must first believe that he is, and then believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here's the secret as we close. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. Here's the thing. Wait. Here. Know that you 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 know that God is calling you to something. Don't go out on your own and just invent something. Don't go and try and manipulate or replicate or any of those things. Know that God is calling you to something. And then when he calls, don't wait. Get off your blessed assurance and serve him. He's good. And he said he'll use misfits like us to reach a lost and hurting world. What a blessing. Africa may think that we bless them because we put fish farms over there. The only reason we went to Africa was for me because I'm God's favorite. And he allowed me to see all that. What a blessing it is. And what a blessing that lady, that picture of that lady, her eternity was changed. And now God could have saved her doing anything, right? God could use anything or anybody. But he allowed me to be in Nairobi, Kenya, preaching this message 
and watching her come to faith. Oh, God is so good. We'll be in the back. Love to pray with you this morning. And if God moves on your hearts, listen, listen. Your eternity can be changed today just like that gal's was. Your eternity can be changed right now by simply receiving his free gift. I would love, I would count it a privilege. So let's pray. Thank you for listening to Pastor Rich preach the sermon, Miracles Still Happen, from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 27. Tune in next week as we continue in the Gospel of Mark sermon series. You can also be part of our Sunday service in person or online every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Watch our live stream on our website, YouTube, or Facebook page. Our website is livingfaithklamath.com. That is livingfaithklamath.com. To find our Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram profile, simply search for Living Faith Fellowship Klamath. That is Living Faith Fellowship Klamath. You can also find these links in the description of this week's episode. If you want to show your appreciation, you can tell others about us, subscribe to our podcast, and you can also leave a review so more people can hear the Word of God. Thank you again, and God bless you.